Hi, I'm Patricia Grabark. And I'm Katina Sawyer, and welcome to the Worker Being Podcast. Today we have an article from Patricia. Um, so do you yes. just want to give us a quick highlight before we do a little recap of your wedding, which I know everybody is probably dying to hear about. Yeah. Uh, but can you just tell sure. us a quick soundbite about the article first? Yeah, so the article is about pregnancy and dealing with unsupportive organizations. Do do do. So we'll talk about some. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about some techniques that help in those situations, um, and some that don't. And as you can imagine, an unsupportive organization when you're pregnant is not a good thing for well-being. That makes perfect sense. I would agree. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, not something we've experienced ourselves, but. Yes. Um, I think it's a very interesting topic and, you know, kind of gets at, well, we'll talk about this more in a minute, but kind of gets at not just pregnancy. Pregnancy is like the, the family issue that they discuss, but really the, it's kind of trying to support this idea that so organizations that are unsupportive of family in general or your outside life in general yeah. can cause, you know, some, some well-being issues and that is something that's been found time and time again and uh and so in this case it was just about pregnancy and it was about some ways that um pregnant women were trying to manage that situation cool so sneak peek that it sounds be very good i like it yeah and the wedding ah can't believe it's over i know it's like so it's crazy, crazy. it's so crazy it's crazy crazy to me i i mean it was amazing I wish you could have been there. I'm still like so sad that your feet I know. fought against this my event. My feet <laughs> hated everything about my life. Um, but I know I was I was like having so much FOMO and I was like <laughs> really bothering. I told you I was like bothering all of our friends being like, what's happening now? What's happening now? <laughs> what's happening now? Like I was like the worst. <laughs> Which is so funny because the, the six hour time difference for you. So this is like in the middle of the night. You're like, tell me everything. I know. I was like, what is it now? What's happening? I was like, so I know I was like really like looking for stuff. But um, anyway, but nobody was sending me that much that much stuff because everybody was having so much fun, which is a good thing. Yes, it was. It was awesome. Um, I mean, Obviously, it's Hawaii, so it's beautiful, and being a destination, everybody was there for a good period of time, so um, people got really comfortable with each other, and we had all these different events with, with our family and friends, so we had a, we actually spent a lot of time with our family and friends, which I think a lot of people say they don't during their wedding because it's just not enough time, but we had so many days that we actually did get a good amount of time to to be with people and talk to people and like the actual wedding itself we probably had less time That's because awesome. we took a lot of photos yeah. and all of that but but we had because we had these extra days we were able to spend a lot of time with people and it was really nice yeah. um we had a great time and the honeymoon was beautiful in Kauai. like I was so sad when we were leaving I was like ah, I couldn't contain it I still feel sad yesterday I um I got my wedding nails removed I had gel done <laughs> and when I was leaving the apartment I was <laughs> telling Danny I was like I'm getting my wedding nails off when I come back I won't have wedding nails anymore and he's like well now it's really over <laughs> now that the wedding like nails stupid. are gone <laughs> the wedding has ceased to exist 
it's just like this weird feeling where it's just like everything's over and it was so great and so amazing and i just wanted to keep going and then now and but it feels like i don't know it feels like it took two seconds and it's all done and it's like what 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 am I supposed to look forward to now? <laughs> I know it is crazy. I know my mom, uh, like when I was getting ready for my wedding for like a year, my mom would be like, well, you can't cut your hair cause it's your wedding hair. Well, you have to start dyeing it the color you want it for the wedding. Cause that's going to be your wedding hair. Like she'd be like, don't get those highlights because is that what you want for your wedding hair? And then like the haircut that we went to after I got back from my honeymoon, she was like, well, you can do whatever you want with your hair now because your wedding hair. <laughs> like, <laughs> And I felt the same way as you did with the wedding nails. I was like, oh, like, this isn't wedding hair anymore. (laughs) This is just regular old stupid hair. (laughs) (laughs) It's so sad. It's such a weird feeling. And, like, everyone said that. Like, you know, it's going to go by so fast and all of a sudden it's just over. And I don't know. I didn't really believe it fully. And then now I'm I'm here on the other end, being like, "How did it go it by?" It was true. Fast? I know. Yeah. It is. It yeah. is sad. But the good news is that you can always go back to Kauai or Hawaii and relive your fun there. Like remember, like everything that you did, and you can go eat some of the same places or stay in the same hotel or whatever. So you can always go back and like revisit even though you can't like redo the wedding you can like revisit it well we've already talked about this katina I that know. you're you and i, I and know. our men will go together I so know. then you can experience it sort of we'll do a mini redo yeah we'll go to that same lawn that would we'll be bring fun. our vow books vows <laughs> in front of you <laughs> that'll be like another wedding going on you'll be like just give us one second we need to yeah just <laughs> just a minute just we're a minute doing real something. quick just we're doing something <laughs> I'll be like, what is wrong with these people? That would be really awesome. I would enjoy that a lot. Oh, man. There's actually these really funny photos. So before I came out um, for the ceremony, you know, like Danny was already there. Everybody was already there waiting. Yeah. There was this family on like a kayak (laughs) that swam by and they like kind of lingered for a while. And apparently, like, again, I wasn't there, but apparently everyone was freaking out like, are they going to just stay there? Like, are they going to watch the wedding? They're going to ruin the pictures. And like, everyone, and like my mom was like ready to go out there and be like, get away, get away swim us. away. <laughs> but uh, they swam away on their own. That's so so we do not have kayakers in. Well, I think there's some pre-pictures that probably have the kayakers in it. But once I get there, the kayakers were already gone. That's really, really um, funny. I know. It's pretty funny. So like I have pictures that, you know, some of my friends took that, that's Janny standing there waiting in like this blue kayak with like a whole family in it. <laughs> That's really, really funny. Uh, yeah. I love it. Funny. I love it. Um, well, I'm so glad that you had such a good time. And um, I did actually, after everybody was home, uh, one of our friends uh, sent me the videos of you saying your vows, which I was in Philly for a doctor's appointment when I got it and so my mom and I both watched it and we both cried (laughs) (laughs) you told me that I thought that was so cute and so funny at the same time that your mom was like crying I know I know she was like oh it's so nice it's so nice she was like so happy I was like this is so funny oh so cute yeah so So it was very cute yeah we really enjoyed there were there were a lot of tears that day. Like I was walk when I was walking down the aisle with my dad, like, you know, I was already emotional. And then I look out and like half the freaking 
guests are crying and I'm like what the hell like yeah. you guys aren't supposed to cry like <laughs> stop crying you're gonna make me cry more I can't do this well you're also like more like of a crier person like type person so like yeah. and and I feel like just with like dads like it's always so oh yeah cryy and then so mushy yeah and you just never know like how you're gonna feel at your wedding like it's like overwhelming and everybody's there mm-hmm. and you're like everybody's looking at you and you're just like ah <laughs> yeah 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 that's how I feel no, I definitely least. definitely definitely teared up definitely cried a little bit and then but I can't that's the problem is I can't look at other people crying and not also cry like yeah I'm I don't know maybe like too empathetic maybe I don't know if that's a thing no probably. I know what you mean um and so like the first person I see when I'm walking down the aisle is my friend Rachel, who I've known since high school and we're very, very close. And she is bawling. And I was like, no, no, do not look at me. I cannot do that. Get away from me. <laughs> oh my gosh. And I was like, don't cry. And then of course and I look at past her and then there's other people crying. And then I'm like, oh God. So I look at Danny and that makes me emotional. So that it was just like, obviously Too it's much. emotional, but no. um, yeah, it was, it was pretty funny. That's hilarious. Looking back on it. It's, it's funny that like, I just, I can I just can replay it in my head being like don't look at Rachel don't look at this person don't look at that person like just stop looking at these people look at don't look at anyone you like yeah <laughs> just look up at the sky just look up at the sky it's gonna be okay uh, just look at the people you don't care about that's what you need to do that's so funny well luckily with the size of our wedding yeah you cared about everybody very many of those yeah and that's true that is but. a good point yeah, it was great though. Yeah, it was great, and now I'm back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And back at it. Very exciting. Working, working. Very exciting. And I did practice what we preach, Katina. I totally disconnected. Yay! And it was amazing. Good. And I had uh, my boss was awesome too. Like he took me off all these email chains, so I barely had any emails when I got back. Like it was the weirdest feeling, but amazing. It's awesome though. Because he he took care of it. It was it was great. Speaking of organizations being supportive or not supportive, mine is very supportive. And also how <laughs> the about people like, are very supportive. How nice would it be to have like an assistant? Like when you realize that, like you're like, what if I just had someone screening my emails all day? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> like how much more time would you have if you didn't have to answer them all? That would be amazing. Yeah, that would be nice. I know. Well, one day that goals, right? Yeah. <laughs> Hashtag goals. True. We're gonna have assistants to yes to to read our emails for us and tell us <laughs> which ones we have to respond to, which ones they can just respond to it for us. Yeah, they can just read. <laughs> My assistant can just read the email to me, and then I'll just say what I want to say. <laughs> yeah, but like, and then they can put it more nicely. And yes, I'll never fancy. I know. I feel like I'm so terrible at delegating. I'll be like, I still want to know what it said. Yeah, but uh, you would learn. I think you'd learn. You can learn to delegate. It's the truth. Yeah, it is the truth. Um, Well, I'm so happy everything went so well, and I'm really, really excited for you that everything worked out after all the craziness and the stress of getting everything worked out, and now it's like it all was beautiful. It Yay. was how it was meant to be. Like all of that, I think it's just great. So I'm super pumped yes, for you. It was awesome. Thank you. Thank you. I'm super pumped well, for you. Since we're back in work, we'll get on to our article then. All right, cool. <laughs> so tell us what um, the article is and 
you know, yeah. some stuff about uh, the some stuff yeah, about some it. Stuff about it. I'll give you some deets. The technical Cut. term is the stuff. <laughs> the deets <laughs> and the stuff. <laughs> um, so this article was published in 2018. So it's pretty recent in the Journal of Applied Psychology. And it's called Managing the Harmful Effects of Unsupportive Organizations During Pregnancy. And it was written by Little Hino- Hinojosa. Well, I totally butchered that. Hinojosa, Paustian, Underdahl, and Zippe. So four awesome people writing a really awesome article. Um, I found it very interesting. It's kind of a topic that's not discussed that often. It seems to be gaining popularity. Um, we've at our conference recently, we kind of talked about um, with other people about like pregnancy research um, or other female related bodily issues that happen even though you're working yeah. like menstruation and menopause and all those things. Yep. So those topics are starting to get a little bit more notice and attention because as you can imagine, um, and as you know, very well, Katina, that for so long the workplace was run by men and the research was run by men. Yep. And now we're kind of slow, slowly getting there, but we're starting to do some more work in this space. Um, and pregnancy is one of those female time periods where you're obviously your body's going through something very unique um and having support in the workplace is huge yeah um and unfortunately it doesn't happen all the time yeah totally um I think that it's really important that we're talking about these issues because there's just so much like you just think about I was just thinking about it the other day after we talked about that and you know how so much of like the early writings that we base everything that we do in our country and really like globally um and how many of the early like you know big thinkers uh for workplace like the way that you run your workplace and what's uh you know what should be the focus of managers and how do you create more efficiency and how do you manage people well have all been male And so, like, Mm -hmm. if Benjamin Franklin or Thomas Jefferson was, like, menstruating or going through menopause, like, you know that we would be thinking about that since, like, a really long time ago, right? Like, like they totally would have (laughs) wrote about that. It would have been, like, a part of the conversation of, like, how do you manage that? Like, what does that look like? Like, how do we make this the most either – even if it was, like, from an efficiency perspective, like, these people would talk about it. You know what I mean? Or, like, if men got pregnant, like, that would be something we would talk about. Like, because all – all those early writings and all the stuff that we couch are like way that we think about work from like just a long-term philosophical like economic perspective and the way that we think about well-being at work and talent management like that's not something that's top of mind for the people that were like the big thinkers and still today like mm-hmm. there are so many access issues it's like how much of this conversation would we've been having so much sooner if there was more integration of women's, you know, anything (laughs) into the Mm -hmm. conversation earlier on. So I always applaud when researchers bring these things up and talk about these things. It's so necessary and it's crazy that it's taken us this long to even have conversations like this. I know. I agree. It is. So it's, it's just a lot to think about, like to really process and think about how, 
how these conversations haven't happened and they're so obvious. Like yeah. they're just like when you really think about it, it's like how have we not talked about that? Like that is something that somebody deals with. Half the population deals with this. Right. Um, so how can we just never discuss it um, until now? And that is, I mean, it's really unfortunate. Yeah. But we're here. Yes. We're doing it. We're making some strides. Yes. And, you know, I think we will just continue it. And hopefully this this topic is relevant to some people that maybe are going through this or you know are wanting to become pregnant and then hopefully it'll be enlightening for people that are not yeah um and for men out there who can't yeah (laughs) that um maybe you know maybe they could learn something and think about what people are going through when they're in the workplace and pregnant so that they can be a little more empathetic and a little bit more supportive totally um and make make the change that we need to see in organizations because it's very very sad that we have a whole study of people that were able to answer survey questions about these different topics that had unsupportive organizations it's not like a very small population of people that don't have that you know that are experiencing this that we couldn't even get a good sample yeah there was plenty of people that could talk about this topic totally and that is very sad it makes me really sad totally yeah I mean I think that um I think that this is a really uh, cool piece or sounds like it's going to be a really cool piece for that reason. And it's really important. I mean, I know that it's also more difficult to get this kind of work published because people see it and it's like, you know, not normative. It's not what you generally see in the literature. People are like, oh, this doesn't belong in a top tier journal. Mm -hmm. This isn't this conversation doesn't belong in our like professional conferences. But the only reason people don't think that it belongs is because it hasn't been part of the conversation. But the more normalized it gets, the more people will have conversations about it. And it'll be easier for people to bring things up. So I'm happy that this got published in a really good journal as well, because uh, Mm -hmm. it starts to make that conversation more normalized. Agreed. Yay. Agreed. So let's talk about what they found. So what's the actual details here? Um, So one of the things they measured in this study, I just kind of want to start with laying out the groundwork on what was measured, is what they called family unsupportive um, organization perceptions. So it's basically asking people questions around how supportive they think their company is of family roles. I mean, in this case, it was around pregnancy, but really this type of measure has been this type of survey has been given around a lot of different roles it doesn't have to just be about pregnancy Mm -hmm. um but really it's when employees believe that their company is not supportive of those family roles Mm -hmm. um and that's often happens there's a really strong relationship between companies that have very few policies in place and people feeling like they're not being supported so there's a very strong link there if um if my company has no formal policy on maternity leave or, um, you know, maybe no sub- benefits in terms of like daycare or whatever that might look like. If those types of benefits don't exist, then a lot of people will in that organization will tend to see that company as being unsupportive. Mm-hmm. So that's just one one way of looking at the unsupportiveness of a company. And there's a lot of research that's looked at this topic kind of more broadly Um That has found that when an employee believes that the company is unsupportive of their family roles, then they tend to have higher levels of work-family conflict. They tend to be more likely to turn over 
they tend to be more burnt out and less satisfied in the job and less committed to their job. So obviously, there's a lot of negatives associated with thinking that your company is not supportive. And from a company's perspective, there's a lot of negatives, right? Yeah. If your employees are all wanting to leave, that's not good. Yeah. Uh, if your employees aren't committed, not good. They're not going to be performing well. Same with employees that are burnt out or not satisfied their performance is going to decline so you're going to suffer as an organization so just kind of as a broad big picture thought from that topic area is that you know being unsupportive actually has major bottom line um, impact as well yeah most most companies aren't supportive because they think it's too expensive or it's to provide these types of benefits but actually it's probably the opposite yeah Yeah, I mean, I think that makes a lot of sense. And I'm wondering kind of in the article itself, how did they define supportive? So um, what were some of the behaviors that they were talking about when they were, you know, looking at how people reacted? Well, there's a a specific survey, um, which actually I don't think I have the items of, that is a family unsupportive organizational perception survey. Okay, It was six questions. I know that. Um, and they were really saying, let me see if I can find the actual wording of the way it was asked, but basically the prompt is to what extent do you agree that each of the following statements represents the philosophy, philosophy, wow, can't say that word, (laughs) um, or beliefs of the organization for which you worked when you were pregnant. Mm -hmm. Um, so then they'll have a few statements around, you know, whether they had policies, whether they were supportive of of the pregnancy. Cool. Um, yeah, that's really interesting. And I think a lot of times, you know, people don't recognize that the signals that they're sending when people are pregnant, that the signals that the company sends is telling the person who is pregnant, what it's going to be like for them to try to balance their work and life after the baby is born. Right. So, um, some other work in this area, um, looked at, how moms think about or perspective I don't know if that's the right word perspective moms but like moms to expecting yes is better than prospective um (laughs) so yes expecting moms how they manage their identity and think about like okay in this nine months that I have between the time when I'm you know pregnant and when I know I'm going to have this baby, how am I thinking about my identity as a mom? How am I thinking about my identity as an employee? And how am I like anticipating I'm going to make these two things fit together? And so I think Mm -hmm. that a lot of times companies don't recognize the symbols that they're sending or the signals that they're sending to women who are pregnant based on that time period, because it's a really important time when women are trying to put together, you know, what are, what are things going to look like for me when on the other side? And it can be really stressful if you feel like, Hey, the company's basically telling me that they're not happy that I'm having a child or I'm not supported or they're concerned about like my performance or they're concerned about a dip in my productivity. And so like, it can feel stressful. Like I have to do a whole bunch of stuff before I go out on maternity leave, because if I don't leave on a great high note, like a super high performer and then come back on a super high performer note, it's like, I'll be punished or I'll reinforce a stereotype about moms. And so that Mm -hmm. those signals I think become really important, particularly during that time period, because you're trying to think about how you're going to make all this stuff work together Uh, you're really just touching on a lot of what this article talked about so they didn't talk about the identity piece like you're just describing Mm -hmm. like the that thought process of 
you know, working through what, what's your life going to look like after this. But to what you just said about coming back as a, you know, leaving as a really strong performer and making that um, kind of image for yourself is what this article does talk about. It talks about how in an unsupportive environment, um, like the ones that these people were in that completed the survey, people were likely to participate in a couple of different, um, what you would, they would call identity based impression management. Mm -hmm. So basically they're trying to give off a specific identity, a specific impression that they want people to see, um, that it's, it's not like conscious, but it's really like this, this effort to, to manage what people think of you during your pregnancy. Mm -hmm. So it's unfortunately like an extra step almost that these pregnant women have to go through or feel like they have to go through because they start to participate in these behaviors to show people like what, you know, what they want them to see so that when they leave for maternity leave, you know, people leave with like a different, a specific perception of them. Yeah. So there's two different ways that they impression managed. So they have one that was image maintenance. So image maintenance is basically when people are maintaining or preserving the image that they had of themselves before they became pregnant. Mm -hmm. So what that means is these women were, you know, making sure they maintain their pace at work, that they're not requesting for any accommodations. Some of these women shortened their leave. Um, and they also went the extra mile, right? So they were doing all these things to basically say like, look, I'm still a very hard worker. I'm still like going above and beyond. And, you know, oftentimes working even harder because they're trying to make sure that people don't get blinded by the fact that they're pregnant. So it's right. like, look at me, I'm working exceptionally hard to maintain the competence level that I have already. I want people to still think that I'm competent today. Yeah. And something so sad, I think, about past research on perceptions of moms uh working moms and working uh dads and then uh single non-parents for both men and women uh when women have children and you look at the perceptions of their competence the least the group that is perceived as being the least competent of those four groups um is women with children at work so mm -hmm. when you have children, it does change people's perceptions that you're becoming less competent. Interestingly, men with children are seen as more competent because people see them as yep. like, oh, they have to provide for their families. So they're going to be even better at their jobs. Whereas women are not thought of as being a bread, the breadwinner. People don't perceive them as the breadwinner. So they think children are a distraction for women. So for mm -hmm. men, they get kind of a boost like, oh, you'll be even more dedicated now. Whereas for women, they get sort of detracted. Oh, now you're going to be distracted by those kids and we're not going to get the most out of you. And like women pick up on that. So it's like then they're sort of trying to fight that by saying, OK, well, I'm going to go above and beyond uh, in order to make sure that nobody thinks that I'm skirting my responsibilities. Yep. I mean, it's so it's so sad. Yeah. So that is one of the ways that people do it is how they're managing what people think of them during their pregnancy is by going above and beyond and really working hard to ensure that people still see them the same way, even though they're pregnant and not asking for any accommodation. So, Oh, I have a doctor's appointment. Well, I'm going to make sure my doctor's appointment is at 6am before I even have to be at work so that I can do that and not have to miss any time. Right. Or, Oh, well, we're going to be standing in this one room for whatever reason. I don't know why you're saying this one room forever, <laughs> but let's just say, or maybe, you know, it's the type of job, right? You're on your feet all the time. Right. And 
it's hard when you get later in a pregnancy, but they won't ask for a seat. Yep. Because then it looks like, oh, well, now, look, she's just lazy or, right. you know, or the, the, I, the pregnancy identity becomes stronger than her competent professional identity. Right. And they don't want people to see themselves, see them that way. So that's awful and sad. Yeah. But the other thing that people do is called decategorization. Hmm. So basically what it is is trying to remove yourself from the category, right? So basically trying to get people to not see you as pregnant in a mm. way. It's like I am now like we're avoiding everything that has to do with pregnancy. So it's people that are hiding their pregnancies mm. for as long as possible or downplaying it. So whenever someone brings up the topic of pregnancy or asks them about it, they just kind of skirt around it, ignore it, just really try to like not even address it yeah, um, and try to hide any visual markers as much as possible so that people just don't see them as pregnant or don't think about the pregnancy as much. So it's a very similar um, purpose, right? The goal is to separate their work image from their pregnancy, right? but the approaches are different. So one is I am going to, it's kind of more of a, an approach to it, right? I'm going towards being a better employee, I'm working really hard. And the other one is avoidance. So I'm avoiding everything that has right, to do with the pregnancy right, at right. work. Yep. Um, so those are the two key approaches that they looked at hmm. um, as to how people manage these unsupportive work environments. Yeah, that's really interesting. So it's like, I'm going to work really hard to change any sort of negative perceptions. But then I also just want to kind of like not bring it up, not talk about it, not... Um, draw attention to it because the extent like I'm anticipating that you already are thinking negatively about me so I'm going to try to do everything I can to overcome that but I also don't want to draw attention to the thing that I think you'll think negatively about or you might continue to think about it and then feel even more negatively um so it's mm -hmm. kind of did people do one or the other or did they do both some people did both okay so it kind of yeah it wasn't necessarily one or the other okay but they looked at the how each of those tactics worked so you know if you did more of one or the other then how did that impact your well-being mm -hmm. and what they found so I'm just going to kind of give you a snapshot of the findings for organizations that were considered unsupportive so when if somebody said that they didn't believe their organization was supportive of their pregnancy then they had generally lower engagement mm -hmm. obvious right they're not feeling engaged in the company because they're not being supported that totally makes sense mm -hmm. however if they did this image maintenance, so this, like, I'm working super hard, they actually felt more engaged, yeah. which makes sense because they're going out of their way to work really, really hard to do well. So they feel more engaged at work. And that actually helped, which is surprising. It mm. helped them have less work-family conflict and less work stress. Yeah. So the women that were able to do more of this image maintenance, they had better outcomes. If they did the decategorization where they were trying to hide the pregnancy or trying to avoid talking about pregnancy, that actually led to more work-family conflict. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah. So while, you know, it's unfair to put women in a situation where they have to try to control the perceptions of them. Right. Um, if they do this more positive working super hard approach then they tend to fare better from a well-being perspective yeah. than if you're just trying to hide it and just cover it up and not talk about it and skirt around it. Right. That makes total sense. Yeah. And probably I think one of the things, I mean, going back to some of the other research on, you know, thinking through 
and trying to anticipate how you're going to make these two identities fit together. And I don't know if they mentioned this as like a possibility for why that would have negative outcomes, but it seems like maybe if you're just not thinking about it, then you're also not like planning and you're not um, like you're avoiding thinking about it. You're avoiding talking about it. And so when you actually have to make those decisions and make it work, it's harder to figure out what to do because that like you've sort of just pushed it away. Mm hmm. Yeah, I think that's possible. And I think the other thing around the positive side is if you're able to juggle the pregnancy, because we know that pregnancy is associated with lots of doctor's appointments, not feeling well, like there's a lot of stuff going on Yeah. before you ever have the baby. If you're able to juggle that and still perform very well and maintain, um, you know, this this competent persona yeah I you probably feel more confident that you can then come back and still do it right so there might be a piece there too it's like I'm less stressed out because I'm and there's less conflict because I feel like I'm babe I am juggling this I am succeeding right um so it's almost maybe I mean whether or not they are it's hard to tell right we don't know that from the study but um if they're trying to if they're putting in that effort then right right there might be some some sort of like confidence but boosting piece there yeah that makes sense too what and what were the um specific outcomes that they looked at so they looked at work family conflict and then family to work conflict okay um but family to work conflict wasn't really related to any of these okay um so they only found that work family conflict was related to um they're related to engagement. So engagement was kind of the reason, right? So if you were image, if you're maintaining your image, then you had higher engagement. And because you had a higher engagement, you had lower work family conflict and you had lower stress. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. With decategorization, it was basically if I had m more of that. So if I was really avoiding my pregnancy, then I'd be less engaged and I would be and I'd have worse outcomes in terms of work family conflict. Gotcha. But it didn't, it didn't, they didn't find it for stress. So really it was more just having, feeling that conflict between work and life, gotcha. which we know that that is related to strain and burnout and other things. So, yeah. um, kind of more broadly. So really it comes down to, you know, being, doing these behaviors impact your engagement, which then impacts kind of your conflict at work. Cool. Um, between your work and your family. That makes sense. Yeah. So, what do you think people like, is there any suggestions that they have in the article or like, what do you think people should do about this based on uh, the findings? So it sounds like, you know, it might be a good idea not to avoid, but what if you're in an mm -hmm. environment where, you know, you feel like you really are not being embraced, <laughs> you know, like what, yeah. uh, how do you, how do you go about managing this? I mean, as sad as it is, um, and even in the article, it was kind of like, wow, we don't want to say this doing the image maintenance yeah. is better. Mm -hmm. So if you are in an unsupportive environment, if you're in a place where you feel like people are not okay with you being pregnant or just aren't really, you know, that, yeah, they're just not supportive of you. Um, then it's better for you to just work your butt off mm -hmm. during your pregnancy, which sounds like a terrible thing to say right, to somebody, yeah. but, um, that is a better outcome for you and your own well being than just avoiding the topic yeah so don't avoid it you know you're pregnant that's the case it's fine talk about it um don't like skirt around it but then show everybody 
that you are still working really hard. And right. I hate giving that advice. Yeah. So like realistically, the real advice and even in the article, they were kind of saying the same thing is, hey, companies wake up like right. you're going to really make pregnant people work above and beyond right. so that they can feel like um, they're going to be OK in the workplace. Right. Like That's not cool. Um, if somebody came in and was like, oh, I have cancer, like maybe you would be unsupportive and that would be terrible. But right. most likely you're probably not going to be that way. Right. Um, you'll be a little bit more. Most people just generally are more supportive of that kind of like an illness or something like that. So do that for everybody with any kind of family issue or something else going on. Like you don't expect your um, those, those people with other issues to work above and beyond to right. prove themselves and their competence, right? You give people some slack when they're going through something and pregnancy is also a time where somebody is going through something and there's no reason why somebody should have to work extra, extra hard just to prove themselves right. during their pregnancy. Um, so I think that really the advice is more towards leaders and managers and, um, and or people that make decisions within organizations, you know, having policies in place that show from an organizational perspective that, you know, th this is something we value. We have a good leave program. We have um, some support systems. We have a flexible schedule that you can then go make your doctor's appointments and it's not a big deal. Yeah. Um, those types of things will really help the employees feel more supported, which will then keep them engaged and keep them happy in the workplace during that time, which will help their productivity at that time, yeah. right? You want engaged employees. Like overall, just having an unsupportive envi environment led to lower engagement. If you just look at just those two variables. So if you're unsupportive, you're going to have lower engagement. And then that we know, everybody knows engagement is so important. Everyone cares about that. People are doing engagement surveys in organizations. Like we care. We want employees to be engaged because we know it impacts performance. Right. So this is no different. Yeah. If you want totally. to have engaged employees, work on those policies, work on the way you treat the, your employees when they're going through important family um, times. Yeah. That makes total sense. Uh, definitely, you know, making sure that you're uh, being supportive as an organization, that you're not sending like, hey, you know, it, I'm so excited that you're having your baby, but like, before you go, you need to do these 8 million things. And like, what are we going to do when you're not here? And like, how are we like all these things that add anxiety, like to, you might not realize, but like you're adding anxiety to like, well, what happens if I do experience like a little disconnect or what happens if I, you know, actually want to unplug during this period of time. And I feel like you're telling me I can't, or I would like to take my full leave time, but you're basically telling me that I have to be right back. Uh, you know, all of these mm -hmm. things send these negative messages. So it's important to recognize that they matter and to monitor yourself as a manager and at the organizational level um, from a structural perspective. And hopefully then people won't have to take on the burden and the responsibility of trying to uh, overwork themselves or overprove themselves in order to demonstrate that they're not going to become less competent when they're also at the same time growing a human inside of them. Yeah. <laughs> right. And I mean, it's just such a it's such a terrible thought that, you know, you have to work harder when your body is going th through something like that. Right. Um, that gets an intense experience. And I mean, I haven't been through it, but I'm assuming. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I think that, you know, again, you we cut people slack all the time. If someone's been in an organization, you know them a little bit. Most of the time. Well, not most of the time. This is such a lie. But some of the time <laughs> managers will cut people slack when there's something crazy going on right. within their life or in their family or whatever. And that 
should happen in pregnancy too. And I think that obviously these unsupportive organizations probably don't support their employees in other situations too. Right. Um, but it's really important to, to just remember that pregnancy is a time that people need your support so that they can get through the, the amount of time that they're working before they have their baby and not feel freaked out that like, what if there's a complication they have to be bedridden? Like, what does that mean? Right. Could you imagine if you're an unsupportive organization, you have something like that happen? Yeah. Like that's I can imagine at my workplace, not a big deal. Like everyone right. will run with it and make it happen and it'll be fine. Right. But if it, I work somewhere differently that, that work that acted differently to these situations, then I could imagine that you you would try to fight that and then you can create health problems and health risks that are yeah. unnecessary just because someone's scared of, you know, what's going to happen to their job um, if if they take a leave or if they have to, you know, stay at home or go to extra doctor's appointments or whatever. Right. Um, like if you have any complications at all to your pregnancy, if you don't have a simple pregnancy, if you have a lot of morning sickness or you know, maybe you have a high risk pregnancy, you have to go in for testing, um, more often or something like that. If you don't have that supportive environment, then that's just going to make that stressful pregnancy even worse. Yeah. And totally. that's so unfair. Like think about the people in your organization. If you're a leader or manager, um, have a little empathy. Like they are your employees. You have them there for a reason. Probably are performing just fine up until now. Right. Cut them some slack. Yeah, totally. I agree. <laughs> now if only everyone else could be on the same page as us dang it we gotta change change the minds of those leaders and these unsupportive organizations dang that are probably it. not been honestly they've probably been in the workplace a little too long maybe <laughs> that could be true <laughs> that could be true adaptation is very important yes adjusting to the fact there's a lot more women in the workforce and a lot more Young women that might be having children. Yeah. Um, or women of childbearing years, I guess. Yes. Or I don't know. That's yes. how I define young. Yes. <laughs> True. I don't know. Maybe that's... Uh, young is all ages. Everyone is young. Yes. Uh, age is not a thing anymore. We, we could actually do uh, an article on age as a social construction because there's been some interesting articles on that. Mm. Um, like the young... How young you feel is a better predictor of outcomes than how old, young you are. Yeah, I have read that. I feel like a young soul. I don't remember if I was writing about that or talking about that with somebody, but I've definitely been reading about that too. The whole I went to a session at PSYOP about that. That's what it was. Um, Where they were talking about uh, what matters most is how old you feel or how young you feel. And but they really were only looking at people thirty and older because Mm -hmm. in your twenties, it's actually better to feel older. Because then you're a little more mature. I'm. So, I feel so old. I'm 21. So you just feel more mature, I feel right? 70. I don't know if that is how old you're supposed to feel. I'm, I'm thinking a more grandmother. like I'm 21, but I feel like I'm 28. That kind of thing. Right. That makes sense. Um. Yeah. Well, so I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah. That but anyways. Was funny. So um, we're we're young forever. Yes. Forever and ever. Um. Okay. Well, thank you so much for reading this article. I appreciate it. I think this is really cool. Um, I learned a lot. I think everybody else did too. And if you're an employer or a manager, be nice to the people that are populating the earth because (laughs) that's literally a thing that has to happen. And it's natural and wonderful and beautiful. And it should be treated that way. 
I actually just saw, speaking of that, I just saw an article today um, that was talking about how we are at a 32-year low in terms of birth rate. Wow. That, um, yeah. So we are having fewer babies. So you should mm. appreciate those ladies that are having yeah, babies. Yeah, right. I mean. Because you need those babies to pay your social security. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> pay up, babies. <laughs> <laughs> my soul might be young but my pockets still need money and <laughs> baby baby money <laughs> yeah well if you need a selfish reason right they're gonna be in the workplace at some point and you're gonna be retiring at some point so uh, baby sugar daddy <laughs> I love it. Um, okay, well, on that note, um, for all the... <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> like taking right candy now. from a baby, literally. Um, okay. Well, yeah. thank you, and um, yeah. I hope that you all enjoyed. Yes, and thank you. And if uh, you have any stories to tell, we'd love to hear your stories. Hopefully, they're mostly positive, but they're negative we want to hear from you too we want to empathize and, and help you out um so let us know if you ever had any pregnancy issues when you're in the workplace or how you how it was being pregnant at work and what stories you have to tell we'd love to hear from you or if you haven't been pregnant we'd love to hear from you too so reach out um you can find us at workerbeing.com you can find us at social media um we are on instagram twitter linkedin and facebook at worker being and you can email us at workerbeing at gmail.com thanks for listening bye the worker being podcast is hosted by us patricia grabar and katina sawyer and produced by ali johnson oh.